0: Philip and he often falls out and he's brought it into his batting as well.
2: Hello everyone and welcome to the Vaughanian Tuffers Cricket Club podcast brought to you by The Telegraph. Ben, Michael and Phil back with you reflecting on yet another amazing test in the Ashes. There's lots to talk about but the bold fact is that England are now 2-0 down to Australia. There have been 72 Ashes contests in the past 141 years And only once in that time has a team come back from going 2-0 down to win the series. Mike, Phil, and I will get into why England, despite a heroic effort, ultimately fell short. Some of the controversy in the match. And we'll discuss what they need to do to turn things around. We'll also get the reaction from down under from former Aussie bowler Brad Hogg who has expressed some forthright views in the press over the past couple of days. And ahead of the third test at Headingley next week, we'll check in with our cricket correspondent Nick Holt for all the latest from the England camp. Right, morning Mike, morning Phil. Uh, where to start? Lots to discuss, uh, hell of a test match. Uh, I guess the first, first thing to ask was, were you entertained? And the second thing to ask is, if so, does that make up for the fact that England lost, Mike? <laughs> uh,
3: no, uh, it's about winning. Uh, England are 2-0 down. It was a great test match once again. I mean, it just had um, so much skill, uh, some great cricket. Uh, England worked at the races on day one when the clouds were around and the lights were on. They didn't uh, switch on quick enough. Uh, I thought they really fought back really well in, on the second day. And then there was that kamikaze batting display when the bouncer track was set with Nathan Lyon off the pitch. England 188 for one. And for me, that's where the game was lost from England's perspective. They should have got very close yeah. to uh, Australia, if not a lead in the first innings. It had made Australia's uh, second innings, the third innings of the match that little bit trickier. And they wouldn't have been chasing 371. They might have been chasing 270. Uh, and I think they'd have uh, been hot favourites to chase that. And I think they would. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it'd have been comfortable because it's in ashes and it's England. But uh, I do think they'd have won the game and they have batted better and, and and also bowled better in the first things. But the drama of the, the Mitchell start catch on the fourth evening that that create a huge amount of debate. And then obviously the last day, was just Kamikaze chaos. I've never seen Lord like it. Your your ground, Phil. It it turns into Galatasaray
0: away. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to hell. I've never seen lords like it. I mean, the World Cup final was similar to sort of like um, passion and vibrancy and everything. But no, it really was like a a gladiatorial arena. It was something special. But I, I just want to ask, though, I was entertained on that last day, but I must admit I wasn't entertained with the continual short ball bowling. I really no true. wasn't I mean it it became very repetitious, very dull, people just losing it. I think they've got to look into that, otherwise we're just going to get a diet of every, you know everyone on the leg side and keep shoving
2: it up yeah, um so I think so they need it, to look at that It was an interesting one, wasn't it, because I think um stokes Stokes mentioned that he thought it was the ball and they were going soft quickly, and obviously there were issues with the ball last season, um yeah. and everybody thought that there was potentially a bad batch. But but clearly that might be something that's happening. If the ball is going soft and you're not getting it moving through the air or off the ground, then what's the alternative? I mean, it it did it,
0: it did turn into body line at one stage, you know, just with everyone, you know, on the. I've never seen fields. I've never seen fields like it, you know, yeah. on that on that last day, everyone on the boundary on the, you know, days two and three when they were doing the short ball kind of ploy as well. Um, it was just one of those test matches that you can't take your eyes off again. But that little period when they just kept bowling it short, I think it was for about, I don't know, a session, session and a half. I must admit, I was on the uh, the highlights show and I don't think I spoke. I don't think I got in the show, Mike. <laughs> <line.
3: laughs> no, but I, I do think, I mean, if you look at the Aussies in the second innings bowling to England, they tried the short stuff and didn't get it right. No. So no. England actually delivered the skill of the short stuff incredibly well. You know, Ollie Robinson... After lunch on day four, I think it was nine overs, two for seven. Yeah. You know, 79, 80 miles an hour. And the Aussies didn't play it well at all. So England will certainly uh, go for that tact.
0: It was sensational stuff. That last day was just, I was, I was, I couldn't sit still. It was just, it was just a great uh, spectacle. Yeah. And, and And even with the crowd sort of, you know, Baying for blood and, you know, and and sort of getting right behind Ben Stokes. When Ben Stokes started 10-off, he's some cricketer, that bloke, you know. He (laughs) is some player, mate. I tell you, I've played with a lot of great players. But when that bloke flicks the switch, I don't think there's anyone better in the world.
2: That's the thing, the ability to go through the gears. Because, again, it was another one of those innings where he built it up slowly and then then he went ballistic. Oh. And, I mean, where does it rank for you, Mike? I mean, it's probably not quite up there with Headingley because it just didn't quite get the job done, right?
3: No, but I, I, I think it was an equally extraordinary innings, even though he didn't get the win. I mean, to 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 basically single-handedly uh, oh. chase down the last 200 runs on his own with a little bit <laughs> of courage and help, great help from Stuart Broad, Um, yeah, he's remarkable. I mean, I just think the Johnny Bairstow incident, um, Triggered him into that, yeah. you know. We just don't know whether we would have done this way. You know, the Johnny stuff is 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 still big news. Both prime ministers are involved. Uh, everyone oh. seems to be having an opinion. Um, we're suddenly the the, the the nicest cricket team in the world that we would never have done it in our time. Oh God, we we would never break the spirit of the game. No. And obviously, yeah, the Australian.
2: Okay, let's, let's, let's come back to the Bearstone incident in a minute, oh. and the spirit of the game. But 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 on um, on Ben first. Just just finish off your th- your thoughts on the on the innings. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if we would have seen that not without that incident.
3: Yeah, you just right. don't know. So actually, the incident created a, a special moment for us all, and. Uh, England will say that if Johnny had stayed out there they'd have won the game Uh, who knows we just don't know in in, in sport but one thing's for sure Ben's clarity under pressure is just extraordinary and he just picked his end it was like a T20 innings. he was picking his end batting from the pavilion end um, targeting that 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 shorter side down the slope with the wind I thought the Aussies got it wrong for a long time because they were bowling into his arc almost almost like under 12 cricket oh he'll miss one eventually I guess he did and Steve Smith dropped it but it's a dangerous ploy to someone like Ben Stokes, who's done it before yeah. on a few occasions. Um, once Hazelwood came to the pavilion end, I always and I was on cast, I said, this could be an issue because he's going to be hitting up the slope into a slight bridge. It's a big hit into that far corner, Phil, isn't it? Yeah. It's a big, big hit, and he tried to take it on. Like if, if he gets it, obviously, it goes for six, but he just lost his shape, <laughs> bit of bounce, and um, if, we knew if, straight away. As soon as Kerry took that catch,
0: it was game over. Yeah. yeah. If, if if all the people, if all the fielders hadn't been on the boundary, he would have scored about 350. He was absolutely crunching them to the fellows who were on the boundary. And he he had to deal virtually in sixes because you just couldn't penetrate the field because everyone was just back on the boundary. Uh, they ran the occasional two. And I just want to reiterate Mike's point as well. I want a, a, a big, big Shout-out to Stuart Broad. He got absolutely peppered. He did. He'll did. he be coming off. He'll it, it, look like a leopard in that shower, I'll tell you. He'll <laughs> be completely covered in little badges and little medals all over him. He took it for about an hour and a half, and I've been in that situation, and it's not much fun. And I, th- I think that he played his part wonderfully as well. It was... I've never, I've never been as enthralled on a fifth day on a Lord's Test match in my life, it was something to behold. I'm, I'm, I'm always, I, I'm almost glad I was there. It's one of those, one of those days when you said I was glad I was there.
3: And and, and, and I do, I do think, um, I know we're going to speak about the issue and the Ben uh, and obviously Johnny Beattie's situation out in the middle. But without what we saw, I don't think the third Test would have had anywhere near the hype that we now have. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone will write I mean, Henley, if you ever want to choose a venue oh. to carry on with the raucous last day of Lord's Crowd, uh, England are going to the right place. It'll be yeah. absolutely pumping. They'll be booing everything Australia do. Yeah. Um, they'll be singing all the songs throughout the whole of the game and England will get and then this England team, are two. Let's forget the two 0 down in the series. Yeah, I don't think I've ever known an England side have so much support. And the two 0 down. No. Usually, when you're two 0 down against the Aussies, you get getting absolute pelters. Everyone's getting sat. There's a review just about to happen in the game of cricket once again. I've never known anything like it. Where you know this team are very very popular. They've almost got a cult following. The way that they've played over the last year and it's a difference. There's obviously the cricket fans that have, have enjoyed the cricket, but there's a number of new fans that are suddenly. Getting into cricket because of the way that they're playing and their cult followers—they'll have no criticism of the Basball. Basball is perfect; it's brilliant. Doesn't matter that they're two 0 down. And I'm like in the school of thought. But wait a minute—it's about winning the Ashes, isn't it? <laughs> I want to win. You know, I want to want to get that urn. at the minute, England have got a long way to uh, go. Well, it's it's almost a miracle from here for them to get the Ashes in their in their hand in a few weeks' time.
2: Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, let's let's deal with those two um, incidents, the two bits of controversy. First of all, the Mitchell Stark catch. I think we could deal with that pretty quickly. It wasn't a catch, right?
3: No. I mean, I I, I thought at the time I was unconscious. I always got it under control. Um, I'll I'll openly admit that I didn't quite understand the rules of the game uh, (laughs) about the motion of the body. As soon as I read that, you know, you knew it was not out because he scraped the ball. Uh, across the turf. I mean, I think if Mitchell had that catch again, he'd just turn his hand the other way and and, yeah. s- and scrape it along the floor. And if it bounces out, it's not, but it stays in his hand. It's obviously uh, out. So um, Mitchell was a bit too cool for school with his celebration. Um, and the right decision was made on that fourth evening.
2: So the second and much bigger piece of controversy was uh, Johnny Bairstow being... Stumped. We initially thought run out, but obviously he was stumped uh, by Kerry. Um, Phil and Mike, I think you've got different views of this. So Phil, do you want to go first? I will go first. I will go first. I haven't got different views. It's out.
0: (laughs) It is out. Uh, It's in the rules of the game. And so that's fair enough. The only slight issue I have with it is about this spirit of the game. And also that it was the last ball of the over. (laughs) It was the last ball of the over, to which then when does the umpire listen, I've played quite a bit of cricket in my time, and sometimes the umpires umpires just start walking off. You know, you bowl you bowl the last ball, the umpire then starts heading off to square leg, and then after about four or five paces, then calls over, you know, or sometimes doesn't even call over. You know, I've I've been out there when they don't call over. It's not it's not you know religious sort of thing that they do. And so he left the ball, he taps down with his back foot three or four times, he's well in his crease, and then it's the end of the over, he knows it's the end of the over, and he walks up to have a chat to his mate. Yeah. Now, if you have to wait every single time for the umpire to call over, we're already having trouble with, with over rates and what have you, we'll be out there all day. You know what I mean? Um, so, listen, it's out. fell, <laughs> Phil,
3: who breaks the spirit of the, the spirit of the game first?
0: Who breaks the spirit of the game first? Yeah, if and we, if we we're onto this
3: nonsense about the spirit of the game, which is absolute garbage, because the spirit of the game gets broken every single day by every team in the world. There's things that happen within the game of cricket that are against the spirit of the game, so it's utter nonsense. So, Johnny Birst, I'm not looking around to the keeper on three consecutive balls, just to give the indication, yes, I'm allowed to leave my crease. Is that breaking the spirit of the game before the Australians
0: don't bring him back? Why is Johnny Bears though breaking the spirit of the game there?
3: Well, it's the etiquette of the game that you, the, game, the ball is still live in the keeper's gloves.
0: Yeah. It's still
3: alive. That's why it's out. It, the ball is still alive. I live. understand it. So, out. the week before, the week before, <laughs> I've just listened to Travis Head. Travis Head has told the story that the week before at Edge and he's batting the last ball of the over, the ball is whipped in his back of his crease. He then whips his back back into his crease. Johnny's got the ball in his hand, and he turns to Johnny and he said, Johnny, were you going to whip the bales off? And Johnny turns to Trump and says, absolutely. <laughs>
0: right, well, yeah.
3: And in the, well, fir- in the first innings at Lord's, Jimmy Anderson wide of off stump to Johnny Bairstow keeping. Marnus Labershain's batting. Guess what he does? He saw Marnus walking out the Guess what he does? Yeah,
2: but that's he not Marnus. The- so that's a different incident. because Why? Was, because he was taking guard outside of the crease. He was therefore trying to get closer to the pitch of the ball. He was trying Johnny to make Bairstow,
3: sure... Jo- Johnny Bairstow was batting out of his crease.
2: No, no he, wasn't. he wasn't. He wasn't. He was in his crease, and he tapped back before he walked out because he thought it was the end of the over. Marlis correct. was batting outside of his crease and therefore trying to gain advantage. There's no way Johnny was trying to gain an advantage.
3: No, he Agreed. wasn't. That's, that's correct. He wasn't gaining an advantage, but it's, it is absolutely a tactical manoeuvre that I, I, I personally... I mean, I, I think all this high horse and... Uh, I, okay. Other than now, images that we're trying to create the England cricket team to be in. In the heat of the moment, I would say that every single England team that I played in would have done exactly the same as Pat Cummins.
2: So I, so I agree with that. I think there is a degree of hypocrisy around. But I, I just don't think that Johnny Bairstow is trying to gain an advantage. And, my, and my, I've had some discussions with people with, about this. And the way I, I think about it is, would you, so I'll ask you a question, Mike. Would you give a warning before affecting a man-cad run out?
0: There you go.
3: Uh, I don't think so in this era now, no. You wouldn't? Okay. Well, no, no, not, 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 uh, look, four, three years ago for you, absolutely. But the game now knows, and we know in the game of cricket at uh, the non strikers' end, that if you leave your cricket, it's a rule. Yeah, you know, it is. have done it regularly. So now, no, but a few years ago, absolutely. Yeah. So the
2: Australian team has a, a standing rule that it won't affect a mankad without giving a warning. And, and Stark has done that in past, give one or two warnings. I think if you're giving it a warning for a man-cad, you should give a warning in this instance because Johnny Besto is not trying to gain an advantage. And actually, in a man-cad, the uh, non-striking batsman is trying to gain an advantage. He's trying to get a little bit further down the wicket in case there's a run, right? So you're going so to gonna clarify, give a warning man, in that just, incident. Just
3: to, just to clarify, so you think that Australia should have called him back? I do,
2: yeah. I, th- I, th- I think they should have given him a warning. If they see he's coming out of the crease, but he's not getting an advantage, then, then, then the right thing to do, as far as I'm concerned, is give a warning and then get him out. So, Could I ask time. you another question? So you don't think, so you're
3: not just saying, actually, so skill. Mm-hmm. So Johnny though is dozy. Yes, three, I agree with that. Three, three consecutive balls, he doesn't look back to Alex Carey. Yeah. That, for me, is breaking the spirit of the game. Well, I mean... Why? Why?
2: If, if, if being who's the yeah, spirit of the game, then of, of, of
4: of,
0: half the people... D- he could have, so he could have been run out of three consecutive balls. Yeah, but he, he, he's put his foot back two times, tapped it back into his crease to say, right, I'm back here, I'm in the crease. He was in his <laughs> crease by... He was virtually batting in the crease anyway. But you've yeah. still got... Phil, I've batted for years and you still look round to the keeper well, and give it the right. thumbs up. You do,
3: that's just the etiquette of the game. You do it, it's yeah. not... It's not I just said, me getting on a on a high. I'm just saying the etiquette of the game has always been when you're batting, even when you have tapped back in, you just look round to
0: the keeper just to give it a nod, and then you leave your crease. It's absolutely you, fine in that situation. If I'm bowling at Edinley, I'm I'm I am going to uh, I am going to be trying to mankad every single <laughs> one. I am now going to be taking it right were, to look, the so wire. That,
3: No, you're not. It's, that, that's <laughs> all. That's all going too far. That that's not going to happen. Um, and and mankads. And now, and, and if, if players want to leave their crease at the non strikers, then before the ball's bowled, they are absolutely stupid in this era because we all know the consequences. We, we, it wouldn't have happened in our time and there would have been lots of warnings, and maybe Australia will still warn about the mancab. That's what they say their kind of team rule is. But, you know, I don't think, I'm reading lots of stuff saying, oh, Henley's going to be like a war back. You know, there's going to be all sorts. No, it won't. It'll be hard cricket. And guess what? As soon as it happened, England looked a better cricket team.
1: It's it's
3: I, mean, I mean, it set the game on fire,
2: that's for sure.
3: Yeah. You know, even the coaches said England looked galvanised by the situation. So everything that we said at Edgbaston for the first few days, England just looked very, very friendly. I think England are a better cricket team when they've yes. got this little bit of spice in them.
0: In a funny sort of way, Mike, in a funny sort of way, lords for those first three or four days didn't do him any favours because it's sort of lovely there's yeah. that lords And this yeah. england cricket team need a little bit of spite they need a little bit of spark uh, and i think Headley could give it to them
2: as you might expect there has been some punchy reaction to all the drama at lords in australia so we thought it would be a good idea to talk to someone down there who can tell us what the moods like and I'm delighted to say we're joined by former Aussie bowler Brad Hogg. Hi, Brad. Thanks for joining us. Firstly, uh, are you enjoying the series? And, and what's been the general reaction to the first two tests?
4: We're all loving the series. Uh, really enjoying the way that England are playing uh, this this new baseball approach, more aggressive uh, approach. It, it's just been scintillating cricket. And even I put my hand up, the, the um, first innings of the second test match when Australia went with the short pitch bowling, I thought, and Nathan Lyon had injured himself, I thought, right, I've got to put it in the cupboard here and try and wear that pace attack down. But then going back, when you're in that aggressive mode and that mindset, if the ball's there to hit, you see it, you hit it. Um, if you're in two minds, then you get yourself in trouble. And I think that happened with Joe Root in the second innings there where he got hit in the forearm in the, first, uh, the ball before he got out. So you've got to be careful with it. But England are taking the test, uh, test arena forward. It's more exciting. And I think we're going to get more fans to uh, the longer version of the game.
2: So well done, England, on that. And what's been the general reaction in Australia? Uh, because everybody, everybody here is loving it. They're on the edge of their seats. Uh, is that the case in Australia as well?
4: Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, England declaring on day one of the, uh, series, that was just scintillating stuff. And we're all talking about Pat Cummins, the third best bowler in the world, coming into one of the lower ranked batsmen in the world, Crawley, for the first ball, and he's got a deep point. We had three deep fielders in the first 10 overs of a test match, um, and a, of an Ashes series. And we've got the best bowling attack going around. Uh, I don't care whether the wicket's flat or not. If you've got the new ball in hand, you're, you're aggressive against two uh, batters, Duckett, who's uh, just new to the scene, and Crawley, who's uh, struggle, struggling to keep his spot. Uh, I just thought we well, were a little defensive there, and England uh, didn't take the initiative.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, how is that sort of playing to uh, the Australian mentality? Because you're probably used to having grown up and through your playing career for the australians to be the alpha dogs i mean here uh, it is as you say england being a bit more aggressive is that sort of uh, is there sort of almost a bit of a cultural debate going on in australia
4: oh, a little bit of a cultural debate but at the, at the end of the day we're sitting back here uh, in australia and we, we're sitting we've won two test matches but yeah. england should have won both of those test matches The first test match, it was Bairstow missing the stumping of green straight after uh, the dismissals of head. And then he dropped a relatively simple chance a bit later on, just before the new ball came, and then broad bowled that no no ball to Kawaja. Those three dismissals, especially the green one, cost you the test match. Now we go to test two. If you look at the no balls and the buys that have uh, occurred, if it wasn't for them, you would have been over the line as well. So this series is closer than what everyone thinks. The only the only worry I have on an entertainment perspective is Ben Stokes fitness. He's yeah. got to be fit for England and he's got to be fit for the entertainment value of the game because if he's not um the the the, the game's worse off. Yes, I yeah. want Australia to win, but at the end of the day entertainment comes first and um yeah, yeah that's where I'm at now.
2: So, so the Lord's test there were several controversial points and um I know you have, we've been discussing it, Mike, Phil and I have been discussing some of them and I know you have a different viewpoint, but we're also keen to get the uh, the views from Australia, what people there are talking about. So I, I think three really, there's the Steve Smith catch, there's the Mitchell Stark catch and then there's the Kerry stumping of Bearstow. So what were your views on those three incidents? Uh,
4: right, um, Mitchell Stark catch. Definitely out. He had control of the ball before he's uh, touched the ground. And if you had a back, back view of it, um, I, I would have thought that there was part of a few fingers underneath the ball there. So for me, that was in control. He had total control of the ball. Whereas Steve Smith didn't have control of the ball. Uh, you see the two fingers under the ball when he's and when it's touched the grass. You can see the ball touching the grass there. If he had a better grip on it and controlled it all the way to his chest, definitely out. But because it bubbled to uh, on his chest, not out. when we go to the Bearstow incident um, as a as a player and I heard Vaughan saying that, yeah, I'd probably in the heat of the moment thinking, right, that's out, but now I'm on the board of the whacker here and uh, I'm in an administrative role. I look at it differently. I'm looking at the uh, the the um, entertainment value, but I'm also. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at it in a fresher uh, mentality. I'm, I'm not involved in the game. I'm just looking at it from afar. And I looked at it and I thought, this is not right. It's not right. Um, Bearstow has been um, doing it for the whole winnings. Uh, I think he was doing it for the test, test match before as well. So it had become the norm. The keeper's taken the glove. He's passed it off to the fielder. They planned it three balls before that happened. He had done it twice before um, they did it on the, on the final ball of the over. For me, I think it took, uh, they took it too far. Um, if it happened the first time that Bairstow walked out of the crease in the test series, fair enough, but not when he's done it 100 times because it's become normalised. Um, and you go, you go through it as well. I heard McDonald say, Oh, it's just the same as throwing a ball down the leg side if tougher as bowling or arm tough uh, bowling with someone charging out of the crease. No, it's not. The batsman <laughs> is not in control of his body. Besto's in control of his body. yes, he didn't look behind, but as I said before, it's become the norm. He scratched it, he's on balance <laughs> and he's just going down. he's not taking advantage. but then you've got to take then you've got to look at the umpiring, and I think this is the biggest discussion that we've got to have because the catchers. Diabolical because they're not they're not interpreting uh, 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 interpreting it differently, and then you look at the two on-field umpires in this particular bare incident. Both of them aren't watching the actual incident where the stump has been uh, knocked or the balls have been taken off. The uh, umpire at the bowling end is taking the cap off the bu- 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 uh, buckle. Yeah, Daphne out point is walking in with his head down, but they've both looked at each other and virtually said that's over, um, but none of them have looked at the actual incident. Then they've gone up to the third umpire. It's not the third umpire yeah. to decide whether it was called over or not. It's the two officiating umpires out in the middle. Yeah. And if they thought that it was the end of the over, it's the end of the over. Yeah. Um, you don't have to say it. As Tuffer said earlier on right. in the podcast.
3: Well, Brad, can, can, I, can, I, can I ask you a question? Do you really think in that split, because so I reckon there's about three seconds, Right from the ball going to carry, he do, he takes the ball so quickly and he throws it. It's probably three seconds. Do you really think the umpires are going to call over after three seconds of the ball going past I, the batter? I don't.
4: Yeah, I, do, I don't think they would. I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect an umpire to do that. But it's just the reaction that the umpires had. Barstow's ducked. He's uh, he's in the crease. We've we've talked about the Labashane uh, incident. Labashane's out of the crease. That's fair game. You're you're going after you're you you're going for the stumping there. Beastow was batting in his crease, didn't move out of his crease, didn't lose balance. He's done it before, uh, and the Australians have normalised it by not going for that type of dismissal earlier on. If the if it's it's a bit like a mancat. Um, we've seen these mancats happen at the end of a game when. The game's on a knife's edge. We don't see it happening from the first ball. And that's where the, when you talk about the spirit of cricket, that's where the spirit of cricket comes on. It's where the actual incident, which is a controversial yeah. actually happens. Um, and that's, that's where I sit on it. It's the normal. Life. I'm not calling out the Australians cheats because the law no, says nobody would just, just, yeah. so
3: I'm going to ask you both Phil and, and Brad. So you're out in the, in the middle there. You're Brad, you're, you're feeling for Australia. In the, no, in the heat of battle. And Phil, you're feeling, feeling no. for England. And by the way, it's the second test in Australia. You won the look. So the second test, Adelaide. And that happens to your team at that moment. What are you doing as a player?
4: If I, if I was playing for Australia and it happened to us, I'd yeah. be up in arms. The no, no, players. no, 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 no. You've misread that. The question
3: is, you're out there in the middle with the Aussies, so you're a player. Yep. And Phil, you're a player for England. Exactly the same situation. Well, the reverse scenario an Australian batter's batting and we bowl a bouncer and we run him out or stump him what are you both doing as players in the heat of the battle
2: you're both in the fielding side right yeah both in the fielding
3: you're side so you're, yeah. I'm creating the same scenario that Pat Cummins had for, for both of you what
0: are you doing as players well in in the heat of the battle I can understand it I can understand it and we're in the privilege that we can all, as Brad was saying, we can sit back and look at it now, you know, a couple of days later and what have you. I just think in that situation, when, when all the boys are around, you're all patting each other on the back and you're going, yeah, come on, yeah, lovely, lovely, lovely. I think then that uh, perhaps the skipper has got to try, and you're a skipper, Mike, and I know it's difficult when you're in the heat of battle. I think he's just got to then try and step away from that situation very, very sort of quickly, which is very, very difficult to do, I know, because of the emotion and what have you, and then just think to himself and give him, or the umpires should then give him the opportunity to have a little bit of clarity of thought. The umpires should then come up to him, um, and, and as you say, it's not a third umpire's decision or anything like that. The umpires should come up to him and pull him aside for a second and say, right you have got the opportunity now to have a quick think about this and do you want to carry on with this or do you want to call him back? That's what they didn't do and that's what they should have done. They should have then helped him out a little bit there, just give him a little minute to to calm down and say whether he wants on with that. If he then wants to carry on with it, it's in the rules, and he can say no. I want him. To, I want to carry on, and I want him out, and that's absolutely fair and. You to haven't asked a, You haven't answered but my question.
3: What would you do <laughs> as a player in that situation? You've just passed it on to the captain, asking
0: you as players, what would you do? Well, that's what- Mike, that's why, that's why you get the big bucks, mate, as captain. That's why you get the room and everything, because you're the captain. There's not
3: one England player. There may be one or two, and I'm, I'm being... Uh, I can't really think of the top of my head who, who would not have just gone, it's out. We're getting, we're getting that wicket. I'm sorry, we're in an Ashes series. The Ashes is hot. We're 1-0 up. We're going to go 2-0 up. I'm sorry
0: you're out, Johnny. You've been very dozy. Mike, I, 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 I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you, but... Uh, I, I just think sometimes, you know, you've, you've got to read a situation. But it was was um, um, Butler, Joss Butler did it, didn't he? Joss Butler had the opportunity to do it when he was over there and he said no uh, when, in the one-day series, wasn't it? Yeah, something. it was. And he had...
2: Yeah, and it, was, it, yeah. Was, it was an obstruction call, wasn't it? And he could have, he could but, have yeah. appealed for it and by the laws of the game, it would have been out, but he decided not to. And very brilliantly yeah. he said, we're over here for a long time. <laughs>
3: do, do you yeah. also, Phil, I'll ask you again another question. I'm going to ask you lots of questions. If this, was the, uh, if this was on the other foot and England had a, a, a produced that bit of, I, I'll call it a piece of skill because the keeper takes it in the, the stunts, it's still a piece of skill to get the, the ball back onto the stunts by the keeper. Do, do you think we would be absolutely lambasting the team or would you think we'd go, well, it was a great piece of cricket thinking?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm not lambasting Australia at all here, Mike. I'm not having a go at them at all. I'm not having a go at them. I just think, if anything, I'm having a go at the umpire. Yeah,
2: I think I think that's a great point, and Brad brought it up. the The role of the umpire here, and you 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 made the point that the umpire was it wasn't at square leg, it was at point. But he's not looking at the crease, right? He's moving because he thinks it's over, and he should be yeah. saying to coming. I actually didn't see that because I was on the move because but I they thought, thought did, it was over. But
3: they did check. But
2: Ben, they checked. Gen- they checked it with the third. That's why we had a delay. What, what, what were they checking with the third umpire? To they they could have fine. been checking that he was out, and clearly he was out. The only people who know whether the umpires think it was over are the on-field umpires. They don't need yeah. to check They don't need to check with the third umpire, did I think it was but over? But bo- Ben, the ball is still live. The ball was in the keeper's glove for a
3: millisecond.
2: He, he, he releases the ball.
3: The ball's still How live.
2: It, it is, it is. I do agree. But the umpires... Have to decide when the over is has 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 finished. But the right? ball was obviously still live. Yeah, but they had clearly decided the over was over because they were They weren't looking at the play. Ben, I'll, I'll, bring, I'll bring another
4: thing up. I'll bring. I'll bring thing up. Like if I, if I was playing and I was with Ricky Ponting, Adam Gilchrist, and uh, Matthew Hayden, is no. I and even if I was playing now, I'd be taking the wicket. There's no doubt about that. But sitting from afar the umpires have got to take control. Now, when a fast bowler comes in or a spinner comes in, they go, oh, you're close to the line there, mate. Just you're pushing the line. Now, if they're observing the game and they're seeing Johnny Bairstow do what he's doing, uh, you know, they, they should be able to go up to the batsman and say... Look, Johnny, um, just a little bit more respect for the game because the ball's past you and you're walking out of your crease a little bit too early before we call dead ball or before uh, we see it actually um, deemed as dead ball. So you're putting yourself in a situation here which uh, could cause a bit of an issue down the track. I think, you know, this is a wake up for the umpires, especially with the catchers. Uh, I'm stepping in here. I'm stepping in here, right? I'm not having.
3: (laughs) I'm I'm not not having. (laughs) The umpires at fault. for... I'm sorry. It's the players. It's Johnny Beardsdoe's doziness, and it's Pat Cummins, the Australian captain, who could have said, "You know what? I think I, I think we're in we're against the spirit of the game here. I'm not having the two umpires being picked on." <laughs>
2: I mean, give them a breather. But what are they there for otherwise? I mean, the the whole point is that this is an ambiguous situation. That's why there's so much controversy. (laughs) And if the situation is ambiguous, it needs to be umpired. Yes. Hmm.
3: Absolutely. I'm sorry. I'm not having the two umpires at fault at this situation. Because everything gets reviewed anyway, so it goes upstairs and it comes back. It's out. So the letter of... It's not a review. Bill, the the the, letter, we're agreeing, the letter of the law, it's out. So how the hell can the two umpires out in the field be at fault? Jesus, give them a breather.
4: (laughs) God. Well, the third umpire doesn't know when they caught dead ball or called over. So, I, yeah, you know, it's not, but, it's not the third umpire's decision. It was the two officiating umpires out in the middle, whether they thought it was dead ball or not. Whether they thought but it was dead Brad, it, or it not. can't That's be a. Why.
3: Brad, we've all played. It's not a dead ball when the keeper gets the ball in his hand and he whips the ball back to the stumps. It's not a dead ball.
2: The ball is well, still live. We've only got Brad for a certain amount of time, and I think we're going to have to agree to disagree on this one because I don't think we're going to come exactly to right. come to come to a conclusion. What I actually
4: love about it is that there's so many different opinions about it, yeah. And the good thing about it is that it's happened to you guys, and there's people there that um, <laughs> and, 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 and see Johnny Bearster out fault. And I see it differently from an Australian yeah. perspective. but I'm seeing it uh, from afar. I'm not I'm not actually in the quadrant. and I as uh, Vaughn said, if I was out in the middle, I'd be accepting the wicket. But if it's pushed the boundaries of the spirit of cricket or it's not in the uh, the right vein of the game, the fielders out there, they're in the heat of battle. We've got 30 management staff sitting on the bench. So if the head coach thinks there's, that there's something wrong there, he can send the message out and say, no, Johnny, you're going back. So take it away from the players uh if you're looking at an australian perspective or any team that goes through these situations that's what the management's there for to control these uh heat of the moment situations so that we keep the game moving forward in a in a positive way <laughs> the one
3: thing i will say is that i i i do think australia could have dampened uh, and uh, and taken a bit of fuel off the fire after the game yeah you know, if anything, it's all been added because they've said absolutely we were in our right. England have said we would never have done it, I, and I, and and I'm not too sure about that either because we don't know what England would have done in that situation because it didn't happen to them. You know, so so let's be honest; it's very difficult for anyone to really make a judgment. But I do think, by the way that the Aussies have kind of just gone, nah, we're in our right. Um, to not even just dampen it down slightly is uh, certainly created a hotbed for Headingley. It's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be hot.
4: I, th- I think the, the, the whole issue here, we agree to disagree, but at the end of the day, when you've got something controversial like this, was a player taking advantage of a situation to better his team? Johnny Besto wasn't, and that's why uh, I think there's a lot more controversy to it than uh, a, a, a man-cad. Um, yeah. that's, that's where I sit on the
0: situation. I tell you, Brad, no wonder you're on the board, mate. No wonder you're on the board now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Don't know about that, mate. <laughs> so obviously, Brad, you were you're a great spin bowler in your day. Uh, another massive talking point from Lords was uh, Nathan Lyon, who's who's obviously pulled up lame and is now out of the series. How big a difference do you think that's going to make?
4: Well, it's going to make a huge difference. Nathan Lyon is the backbone of this Australian attack. There's no doubt about that. Um, if you look at uh, the last year and a half, he's bowled 30% of the overs. Pat Cummins is the next out, 16% so you've got that experience but murphy is a very good bowler um he came into indian conditions adapted really well changed things up with his uh with his grip to suit those conditions uh the big issue for me now going over to uh, to to england is getting used to that jukes ball we we uh we're exposed to it over here in australia with the odd shield game here and there and we've got balls to bowl in the nets but it's completely different um for for me uh, the seam's different. It seems a little bit slipperier than a, a kookaburra, harder to control. So can Murphy uh, control it and can he bowl tight like Nathan Lyon and bowl the overs like Nathan Lyon? And I think he can. So I don't think we're going to miss anything uh, anything there. And Nathan yeah. Lyon, that's, that is a big issue too. The Australian management sending him out like they did, uh, I thought was quite disgraceful. And then people saying, well, England bowlers shouldn't be bowling short to him. Well, hang on. He's gone out there. He's saying that he can handle it, um, and he's he's put in the uh, in the fire. Now, if something happened to Nathan Lyon which ruined his career or damaged it even more, workplace and healthy uh, uh, health, <laughs> work health and safety back here in Australia, the insurance claims would be uh, massive. And I I can't believe that if you're going to replace a, a batsman for the concussion rule because that's a batsman's. Um, uh, how can I put it? He hasn't read the ball after training for so long. He hasn't read the ball. It's his, his misreading of the ball that's caused the injury. Whereas when it's a physical injury to a fast bowler or a spinner like uh, with Nathan Lyon, they can't control that. And you don't want a scenario where they're out there trying to help their team win because they know if they don't, then the other bowlers have to bowl more overs. I, I think we've got to look at it. There's a replacement player for everyone every injury, or
0: there's no replacement players. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. What do we expect him from uh, Todd Murphy? What sort of kind of bowler is he, bro right?
4: Oh, look, he's, he's very similar to Nathan Lyon in a sense. I've, I've only really seen him in England. He's only just come on the scenes over here in Victoria. But the, the one thing I really love about him, he works hard at his game. He asks questions. He went and did uh, a bit of work with Stephen O'Keefe before he went over to India. He's planned before he's gone to England. He's, he's one of those, he's like an Ashwin, um, as such. He's making, uh, he's making decisions or, or preparing for those next opportunities that might be there. If he didn't play in England, he would have worked his guts off to make sure that he was ready for that one off test match. And at the end of the test series, wherever Australia are going, he'd be working on the nets for those conditions as well. So he's probably going to be one of the most prepared. Uh, youngsters that, that come into the lineup. And that's why I think that he's going to do a wonderful job for Australia. Don't worry about the wickets. It's about keeping it tight. If he keeps it tight, then the wickets will come for him. He doesn't have to be or act like a Nathan Lyon. And I think that's the problem with uh, Australian spinners since Shane Warner's, uh, left. We're expecting to find that big wicket taking, uh, option that bowls tight. You're never going to find that. Shane Warne was once in a lifetime, but I'll tell you what, Nathan Lyon, uh, has come close and is probably up there with with the greats of spinners that we've seen in the in uh, the history of the game.
2: Right, Brad. I, uh, I don't know whether you've listened to the pod before, but we have a section uh, towards the end of our interview where Phil comes in with some either or all questions. Right, <laughs> oh, yay! Let's go for it.
0: I, thank you, Ben. Um, okay, here we go, mate. Aussie rules, which I found out you were, you were an umpire for a short time, at eh? Aussie rules or rugby? Aussie rules. Aussie rules. Oh, good love. Love that. Straight in. Uh, Rajasthan Royals or Cal- Calcutta Knight Riders?
1: <laughs>
4: uh, that's a hard one. Um, Rajas- Rajasthan Royals because they kick uh, they, they pick juniors to develop and uh, that's a better, better uh, benefit for Indian cricket. Kolkata night Riders, um, because you're sort of in the Bollywood lights
0: there. Yeah. So, which one?
4: <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, Kolkata night Riders, it's going to give me more opportunity as i get older.
0: <laughs> right oh, Okay, then. Um, the bowling of Andy Flower in 03, which Gilly said was the ball of the tournament, or getting Flintoff stumped in 07? World Cup, the wrong one? Um, Andy Flower. Andy Flower, ball of the century, love that. A ball of the tournament.
4: Well, I can tell a story about that. How Uh, did you do him? uh, Well, basically, Darren Lehman, Ian Harvey and myself had to do the uh, planning for uh, Zimbabwe and we were sitting there and they talking about Andy Flower for about 30 minutes and I said, look, this is getting boring, just give me the ball and I'll get him out with a flipper. And Darren Lehman, I, I was only new to the team at this stage and Darren Lehman's just gone, Hoggy, shut up. No more, no more input from you. And Vornie knows uh, Lehman pretty well. So anyway, it came to that uh, first ball of the second over and I'm out the top of the mark and John Buchanan is in the back of my head going just bowl stock ball, first ball of an over. And I'm, I'm just feeling that I've got a bowl of the flipper and I thought I've never listened to the old man on the family farm out home. Why should I listen to John Buchanan? Came in. Got him off stump and I'm down there celebrating, but I'm trying to hold my lips because I'm yelling out to uh, Darren Lehman. You'll listen to me now, won't you, boof, <laughs> with a few
0: other choice words. <laughs> well, here we go then. Very good. Next one, uh, wrongan or flipper? Um, flipper. Flipper flipper okay and then well very very uh, very apt for this conversation man cad or carry stumping
2: <laughs> man <Man-cad>. Man-c- <laughs> good lad well done mate <laughs> brad that's brilliant thank you so much thanks for your time thank you so cheers, much brad. guys
4: cheers, mate. good to see you vorney good to see you cheers, thanks ben great to have you on cheers mate
2: We are joined again by the Chief Cricket Correspondent at The Telegraph, Nick Holt. Nick, you're, um, you're up in Headingley already, aren't you? Um, with the schedule as it is, uh, have, you, have you seen any of your family recently?
1: Uh, very briefly, wave goodbye this morning. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's par for the course in these sort of series. These back-to-back games, but actually I'm quite glad that it's a back-to-back game because it means that uh, the narrative moves on again.
2: Yeah, yeah, no definitely. Um and uh, you've obviously been to a few press conferences there's also news uh, out of the camp about um uh, about Ollie Pope I believe.
1: Yes, Pope's out not just out this test match but out the rest of the series with a shoulder injury. Um he's obviously had a history of those in the past. He's had two operations on his shoulder so it wasn't a surprise that he wasn't playing here. But the surprise actually is that he's actually not going to be fit for the rest of the series. Mm. England are going to name their team uh on uh, Wednesday, so they haven't actually confirmed at this stage who will play, but it's pretty. It looks pretty certain it will be Dan Lawrence um, batting at three, which is high high up in the order for him. Um, yeah. The only other option is whether they shift everyone else up. Um, Joe Root bat three, and um Mo and Ali come in lower down the order. I mean, England have got two choices to make: is whether they pick Dan Lawrence, who has batted well for Essex. He scored 150 in his last Championship game or whether they actually decide that taking 20 wickets is more important. It seems at the moment they're leaning more towards uh, the extra bowler, uh, which would probably ease Moen and Ali's path back into the side, um, with Mark Wood uh, bringing that extra pace in if he comes in for for Jimmy Anderson. Um, And maybe they'll look at Robinson as well because of his workloads. Um, But yeah, those are the two choices. Lawrence batting at three, which he doesn't do for his county, or... Or picking the extra bowler because they're worried about taking twenty wickets, which in this series has been a challenge for them. Right,
2: yeah, um, and um, so no inkling about what might be happening with the bowling lineup because we were talking about um, the fact that the uh, the bowlers have got a lot of overs uh, and obviously a lot of short stuff bowled at Lords, so uh, might be uh, might be a little bit tired and maybe there'll be a possibility of
1: uh, rotating the squad. Be surprised if uh, Mark Wood doesn't play. I think they want that pace in the team now. Um, This pitch, uh, they peeled back the covers about 10 minutes ago. And honestly, it was hard to work out which was the pitch for the test match. It's so green. It's like uh, the rest of the square. Obviously, it will be cut again tomorrow. Um, but Headingley is a pitch it up ground; it's not a bang it in short ground. Um, so I, I, I'm not so sure whether the the uh, the bouncer thing will be such a such a factor here. The one thing that they have said, though, the reason it's become uh, a bit of a bouncer is because the juke ball is going soft after 35 or 40 overs a game. And obviously, you know, if this, but if that's what's going to happen in this current batch, then um, then then yeah, that that suggests that it, it will play a bit more of a part than it normally would una- on. Ground where it seems and swings, particularly if it's uh, cloudy.
2: Yeah. Now there's some chat about the balls last year, wasn't there? And there was a there was a theory that there was a bad batch, and it might have been because of COVID or something like that. Uh, Clearly, that's carried over to this season.
1: Uh, yeah, I did a story actually interview with Dilip Judogia who owns, um, who owns his jukeball, uh, company and he blamed, uh, COVID and that the cow's not being fed properly during COVID, um, yeah. uh, in Scotland. So, uh, where he gets the leather from, uh. And this year, last year, they were falling apart very quickly. And I don't know you remember, there were multiple yeah, ball, yeah, yeah. ball changes. This year, they seem to just be going softer. There are ball, more ball changes, but not as many as there were last year. So they're just losing that hardness, um, yeah. which obviously doesn't help Jimmy Anderson, um, who uh, a few weeks ago was the world's number one bowler. And now he's, he's averaging 73 and probably not going to play here on the pitch. It looks like it as if it would be su- suit him down to the ground. Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: and what's what's the general mood with the England camp? Have they calmed down from Lords or are they using some of the perceived, perhaps, perhaps perceived, perhaps not perceived, uh, injustices
1: to fire them up? Oh, I think they're using it to fire themselves up. I think that it's also a useful way of papering over the cracks publicly that actually, they, yeah. you know, there are some poor passages of play in both test matches and that's the reason why they're 2-0 down. Uh, they chose Joe Root today for the press conferences and obviously, you know, Joe uh, is Mr. Uh, diplomatic. He negotiates a press conference very easily and very well and without actually saying anything that's going to be controversial. Um, so they've they've tried to back away from it. But obviously, he did point out that it's firing up Johnny, uh, his old mate, yeah. so was got that stare uh, look in his eye this week playing on his home ground as well uh so yeah they just keep reiterating they wouldn't have done the same thing
2: yeah, uh, an angry banister is a dangerous banister.
1: Well, we've seen that before. Normally, he's angry at Michael Vaughan because he's normally uh, criticised him in the Telegraph or on, or on, the, or on the BBC, and uh, that's fired up Johnny. I think sometimes he's done it deliberately, particularly with him with Broad as well. But um, but yeah, they're Broad and Banister, so two narky cricketers who were who are up for the fight this week. But it takes more than that against this attack. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. this is a top class Australian team, and they will be. Obviously handicapped by losing line. Uh the fact they put Todd Murphy up today, he's speaking right now to the press, uh, suggests yeah. that he's gonna come in and, and he took uh, quite a few wickets in his debut in India. So useful, uh a useful sort of uh replacement. But England, you know, they target the spinners. He's gonna to have to he's gonna have to be strong this week and the boundaries here are not that big.
2: Yeah, yeah. And uh obviously uh, Ben Stokes has got his eye in.
1: Yeah, Stokes has got his eye in. I I I I don't know whether he'd he would not have played that innings if it hadn't been for that incident. I think that that yeah. that that completely fired him into form. I mean, and that's that's great for England. The two big players have got hundreds after the first two tests, Root and Stokes. Um and that that that's that doesn't normally happen when England are 2 0 down in Ashley's series. I just asked Joe actually about that and and said, you know, <laughs> you've been 2 0 down in Ashley's series before. Um does it feel different this time? And he's, he 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 said, yeah, absolutely, because we've not been on the back end of hidings this time. Yeah. Um, and in the past, when they've always said, oh, we're going to come back, we can do it, it's always rang really hollow. But, uh, and even though you, you can't really see them winning three games, you do sense that they have got a chance of, of getting something back this week. Yeah, no, excellent. Let's hope so anyway. Nick, cheers. Thanks for joining us again.
2: Thank you. Cheers. So we've got to, we've got to talk about the third test, Uh, and who might be in the England team. And I think we have to talk about Jimmy Anderson, don't we? Uh, I mean, I'd step in front of a bullet for that guy, but uh, I did think he he looked a bit below par. Uh, He got two for 117 uh, in what looked like quite helpful conditions. He was England's most economical bowler in the first innings, but the least economical bowler in the second innings. Um, And there was one over towards the end where he got sort of slapped around a bit. And uh, I don't know, are are we witnessing the end of an era, Mike? Well, yeah, because he's he's forty, so
3: he's not gonna play that much longer. Um I don't think he'll play it headingly. I think both teams will rotate the bowling uh attacks, I think, to bowl on these wickets week in, week out, particularly with the short stuff. And that's what I look at with England. They're gonna go short to Australia. So surely Mark Wood has to play. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna bowl short, you need Tong and Mark Wood. Um I, I don't know how Ollie Robinson is. You know, I don't know how he's going to show. you've only got three days in between test matches, so it's not easy. And it might be that you see a couple of changes. Uh, if everyone's fit, I would just go Mark Wood for Jimmy, uh, see where Jimmy's at the week after or the week after that. Uh, England have to win at Leeds, you know, obviously. They, to to win the Astros, they have to win the last three. They can't think about winning the last three. They've just got to win one, win the next one. And I think they need a little bit more pace. So I think Mark Wood for Jimmy Anderson. I, I, I'm not too sure about the spin. Uh, Headley's a pitch that's different to when I used to play. I think there is a little bit of tweak there now. Um, but I'm not too sure I'd play Moen even if he is fit. I, I think I'd go with all the seamers because Ben clearly can't bowl 20-odd overs a day. So yeah. they need that extra backup in the seam if they're going to do this uh, aggressive short-pitch bowling uh, method. Uh, so I'd go just uh, Mark Wood for Jimmy Anderson this week. That's if Wood's fit. He hasn't played for months and months, so I, it's got to be a risk to play him. Uh, but if he is in any way, shape or form ready to play, he must play. I, I personally wouldn't play Moeen Alley if, if, if the pitch looks like it's just a normal head and the wicket because Joe Root's spin can be used and England look to me like they've got a method of potentially upsetting the Aussies with the short stuff. and I don't think yeah. the Aussies would be too fearful of facing... Moeen Ali's off spin, but you know, not played any cricket. And he's obviously got that dodgy finger. Uh, so I would go all the same again
2: at Headingley. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was impressed with Josh Tan. I'm impressed with Josh Tan. I think he did a good job.
2: Yeah, he was good. And he's obviously got an engine on him as well, which will be useful. Um, yes. A stat for you, after two tests, Australia have faced 654 more balls than England and only scored 45 yeah. more runs so i mean obviously that's what's that 110 more overs the england bowlers have bowled
0: yeah which which puts it in the legs i mean the, that's the one the one bad thing to baseball is that you're out there bowling quite a lot you know what yeah. i mean and it goes in it goes into the uh, the bowler's legs and gets them tired out again but uh, it was a phenomenal another phenomenal test yeah. matches it, it, crikey if we get test match cricket like that it is going to it's just going to be sensational um, another three more to come please for me going to be wicked can't wait can't wait for Henley very rich you know I don't think I've ever been so excited to be 2 nil down <laughs>
2: <laughs> right that's all from us today Big thanks to Brad Holt for joining us and to Mike and Phil too. If you're new to the podcast, Mike, Phil and I will be here every Wednesday throughout the summer. Previous episodes from this season with the likes of Justin Langer, Adam Gelchrist and England legend Geoffrey Boycott are all available online right now. If you have any feedback, questions or comments, the address is cricketclub at telegraph.co.uk. Please drop us a line. We'll be back with you next week following the Headingley Test up in Leeds. So until then... Goodbye.